0: I thought I would begin with uh, with something that Jesus said. That seems to be a pretty good place to begin. And uh, this is pretty cool. It comes from uh, John chapter 16. And we're going to look at, at just one verse. Uh, but before we kind of get to it, let me give you a little bit of context around it. Uh, Jesus had just told his disciples uh, that he was going to leave them. And they didn't understand what this meant. They thought, well, he's going to the market, but he'll be back, right? And Jesus says, no, no, I'm leaving you like for good, but don't worry, because I'm going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with you always. And then Jesus said, it's not only that I'm leaving, but, but you're leaving me. That you will betray me, deny me, abandon me. And now the disciples are, are really confused and really anxious and really worried. And then Jesus says this to them. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I've said these things to you so that you will have peace in me. In the world, you will have distress, but be encouraged. I have conquered the world. You will have peace in me. But in this world, you will have distress. It's a hard verse. But how many of us know about distress? I'm not talking about just inconvenience. We're we're all inconvenienced in some way at this time, but but I'm talking about distress, health issues, family issues, marital issues, financial issues. It's good news to know where peace can be found because trouble is bound to come in this broken world. See, this verse is, is sort of like a paradox, Jesus says that that there's these overlapping realities in our world. There is a big, powerful God who gives peace to us and who moves within this world, and yet this world is broken and fallen. And it's in that overlapping of realities, that, that tension where faith is formed and where hope is birthed anew. It's a paradox. And you know, Christianity... Christianity doesn't always have easy, simple answers, that not everything fits nicely on a bumper sticker. What Jesus is saying here is that our hope in times of distress is his cross, that that when we look at the cross, we don't see it as an instrument of pain and suffering and death, but but when we look at Jesus on the cross, instead we see the cross as an instrument of of life now, it reminds me of the Stockdale Paradox. Maybe you've heard of it before. It it became popular uh, from Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, where he sat down and interviewed Admiral Jim Stockdale. Admiral Stockdale was a prisoner of war for eight years during the Vietnam War, and uh, he was tortured over 20 times. He was finally released, and Jim Collins sat down to talk with him, and uh, Jim asked him, Admiral Stockdale, how, how did you get through all of this? Admiral Stockdale said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. And then Jim asked him, well, well, who didn't make it through? Surprisingly, Admiral Stockdale said, that's easy. It was the optimist those who said, we'll be home by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and go, and they would say, well, we'll be home by Easter, and Easter would come and go. Well, we'll be home by Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving would come, and it would go, and then it would be Christmas again. And then Admiral Stockdale said this, and this is his paradox. He said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Jesus says, you will have trouble, but be encouraged. Take heart, I have overcome the world. It's the paradox of hope. The peace may not be found in your circumstances, but peace can be found in me, Jesus says. Don't let your heart grow dim. Don't capitulate into despair. No matter what comes your way, know that I have overcome the world. It's this kind of even though I will kind of faith. That even though I see the brutal facts, even though I'm facing distress, even though I'm going through a dark time, even though this isn't fair, even though I still have all these questions, I will praise God. I will still trust in God's faithfulness. I will still worship. I will still place my trust in you. Whatever my lot, it has all taught me to say, it is well. And if our faith is an anthem of hope, then the chorus, the refrain would, would be like this, even though I will, even though I will. And, and throughout the story of scripture, this even though is often followed by an I will statement. You might know what I'm talking about, that even though the bottom fell out, I'm still going to praise God. Even though the circumstances aren't fair and aren't right, I'm still going to trust in God's faithfulness. I'm still going to hope. It's kind of like the story of Job. There's a lot going on in the story of Job, but I think the simple message that that story is trying to teach us is to have this even though I will kind of faith. That Job, he lost it all. I mean, all, all. And everybody around Job just kept telling him, Job, just give up. Just just throw up a white flag. Just curse God and die. Job, that's your only escape from this. Just curse God and die. But Job said, no. I will raise an anthem of hope, even in this hard time. Even though I'm going through the fire, even though I am under pressure, I will still praise God. Even though I have lost it all, I will still trust God, even when it makes no sense. Then, even louder, I will sing God's praises. Wow. I mean, how do I have a faith like that? That kind of faith that, that doesn't diminish in the face of distress, but a faith that is defiant in the face of distress. And so I have to take you to this story in the New Testament. It comes from the book of Acts. And and it's just, it's so strange and and it's so cool. Um, And and I believe that this is a great demonstration of that uh, defiant uh, faith in the midst of distress. That, That even though I will kind of faith that we're talking about. And, uh, and if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, if you're new to this Bible thing, uh, the story of Acts, it's, it's a book. It comes right after uh, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And uh, it's about how the early church spread the good news of Jesus all throughout the known world. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. And a main character throughout the book of Acts is a man named Paul. Um, and, And he's going from city to city preaching about Jesus. And in Acts chapter 16... Him and his companion Silas, they end up in uh, the province of Philippi, and, um, and they're going around uh, talking about Jesus, and then all of a sudden, uh, this slave girl, who has some sort of spirit, um, starts following them. And, and this girl, uh, her owners would uh, make money, make a profit off of her um, because she would kind of tell people's fortune. She was sort of like a, a palm reader. She starts stalking Paul and Silas and yelling at them throughout the streets of this city. These men are servants of the most high God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. Now that all sounds pretty good and pretty strange at the same time. It says that, that she did this for many days and now they're starting to get a little annoyed. How many of you have had something going for, for too many days? The first day it was fine, second day, meh, but then finally you, you start to get a little annoyed. Well, Paul starts to get a little annoyed and he casts the spirit out of this slave girl. Well, her owners didn't like this a whole lot because they had just messed with their cash cow. And um they don't care. The her owners don't don't care about the girl. Um They care about their bottom line. And so they drag Paul and Silas before the authorities. And they say that that these men are outsiders. They're, They're messing with our customs. They're messing with our culture. When really all Paul had done was he had set a slave girl free. But in doing so, he ruined their source of exploited income. But regardless, Paul and Silas are brought before the authorities They're stripped of their clothes. They're beaten with rods. Ouch. And then they're thrown into prison. And this is where the story gets even stranger. It says that after Paul and Silas went through this brutal beating, uh, they were put in the innermost jail cell with their feet in stocks. And so this is what it says in Acts 16, verse 25. It says, around midnight, let's just pause there. If you would just just say that out loud, around midnight. I don't think it's any coincidence that this takes place around midnight. In the middle of the night, in the darkest hour. We all know what midnight feels like in our own lives. It goes on and it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Their, their feet are in stocks and chains. They have welts on their bodies. They're bloodied, beaten, and bruised. And even though they praise God, they're singing hymns to God. That in this moment, there's, there's darkness and light colliding. And they know that they are children of the light. They're, they're in a jail, but they know that they are citizens of heaven. They're under the sentence of Caesar, but they're still bowing down to praise King Jesus. And all the other prisoners, they start paying attention. And they go, what the heck is going on? Why are you praising God right now? And so don't, don't miss this. That in every midnight of your life, you have an audience, especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus. We have an audience watching us, seeing how we handle what we are going through. And so then, watch what happens. This is just amazing. This is verse 26. It says, All at once, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations. The doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer awoke and saw the doors open of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he was responsible for all of these prisoners and he was about to get in a whole lot of trouble. But Paul shouted loudly, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for some lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside and asked, honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? A revival had just broken out because these two guys, beaten up, swollen, bloody, were praying and singing praises to God in the midnight hour and it sparks a revival in the innermost cell. God loves praise in the midnight hour. When we praise God in the midnight hour, the darkest hour, God shows up in a jail cell, in a hospital ward, in a broken family, in depression. God begins to move. It says that the ground starts shaking. Now catch this. It doesn't happen to free Paul and Silas. No, because they they were already free. It didn't matter if they were walking the streets of Philippi or in this innermost cell. They were already free. They had been freed by a greater power. They didn't need chains to fall for them to be free. They didn't need doors to open for them to be released. They were already free. But the irony of ironies of this story is that the jailer is the one who wasn't free. He was trapped by fear fear. He's the one that holds the keys and yet he's the one who isn't free. And he sees all of this happen and he asked Paul and Silas, "What must I do to be rescued?" It says, "They replied, "Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your entire household." And he did. He dropped the sword. He began to follow Jesus. And as the story goes on, he actually had Paul and Silas over to his house. They shared a meal. He was baptized. He and his whole family believed. And it's all because, all because an anthem of hope was raised in the midnight hour. It all began with a song, an anthem of hope. Even though, even though there's stocks and chains and blood and prison. Even though, even though I will. Even though it makes no sense, they sing louder than they have ever sung before. And the ground starts shaking and God starts moving. Even though I will even though in the midnight hour we lift up a song of praise, that at the powerful name of Jesus all chains would be broken, that at the powerful name of Jesus there would be new life, there would be hope, there would be a coming of fresh life again, that at the power of Jesus chains can fall as we lift up an anthem of hope. I pray for that kind of, even though I will faith for you and for me let me pray for you so gracious god lord you are powerful there is victory in you and i don't know what midnight hour some of us are going through but lord you said that there is distress in this world and some of us god i I know are are feeling like we are in a midnight hour strained locked up Lord Jesus, I pray in your powerful name the chains would fall. Lord, that we would sing a song of praise to you. That we would be set free. Set free from fear, worry, and anxiety. God, that we would be set free to follow you in newness of life. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.